In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and we're excited to have you here today. We have a guest with us who is the author of Step Into the Spotlight, A Guide to Getting Noticed. And if you've listened to The Career Confidant before, you know that one of my favorite topics is personal branding and how to help people stand out in an authentic way. And I'm excited to have our guest here today to talk about that. Now, you're going to introduce yourself because I know you have a, a name that's challenging to pronounce, so I'll let you do that. Thank you for joining us. Okay, okay. Well, my name is Sufit. Actually, I was thinking you'd introduce me and I'd tell you how you pronounce my name, but <laughs> let me tell you how you pronounce my name and then you can say whatever you want. Um, so I, I do a lot of radio, a lot of podcasts, and um, I was doing a terrestrial radio show and the guest, uh, the host asked me, like every single host does, off the air, just before we get on, as you did today, tell me how you pronounce your name. And she was calling me, calling me Sufit or whatever, and I said, no, no, it's Sufit, feet, feet, like feet. And so she wrote down feet, F-E-E-T, right? So we get on the air and she said, hello, everybody, and welcome to our show. And today we have award-winning author Sufoot. So <laughs> she remembered the feet part. Um, yeah, that's, so that's my story. But um, I, I think you have the, you have the bio there, but I, I mean, I can briefly tell you if you like. Um, I was a, a Bay Street litigation lawyer that's kind of like Wall Street, only much colder, um, lawyer for about 10 years, and then I had four baby girls in four years and decided to follow my dream of being an actress, a singer, a comedian. Did that for about six years and then figured, you know, you really should feed your kids more than once or twice a week. So <laughs> I tried to figure out, what can I do with these skills um, after I, you know, I left law for the limelight? What can I do with these skills and uh, and create a, you know, a little bit more of a stable income? So I started coaching people, uh, business people, to step into the spotlight to get noticed, to get known. I've been doing that 17, 18 years now. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much, uh, that brings us to today. The book came out, uh, several years ago and, um, uh, it continues to this day to bring people into my world. I lead a group on LinkedIn of over 10,000 entrepreneurs, authors, speakers, coaches, experts, influencers, and media. And that's how, uh, Marie and I met. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you introduced yourself because the story is much better than reading your bio and, it really has led you to where you are today. And I'm sure that you've seen this a lot in the businesses that you coach, but what do you mean when you say all business is show business? Well, you know, show business, we all know, it's the business of telling stories, right? It's actually the business of selling stories. Show business gets this. Show business understands that it can't exist without an audience, right? The most valuable, the most bankable asset for anybody in show business is what they call star quality, box office appeal. You know, everybody gets that in show business. The thing is that, Marie, that's true for any business, but not everyone got the memo, you know? So every business has to figure out how to attract and how to hold its audience's attention, right? How to develop their own box office appeal. That's what marketing's all about, not enough to bake a better bagel. You know, you got to the, the bake it and they will come theory. You kind of got to get them lined up around the block for those bagels. And uh, the challenge is that it's noisy out there, right? Everybody knows it's an overcrowded, noisy marketplace. And it's like your prospects have a TV remote and they're flicking through the channels to see what's on. But you're stuck on channel 632. You can't just hope that they're going to just randomly find you. You have to find a way of attracting them. You have to entice them to tune in, to stay tuned long enough to see what you've got. That's what my Step Into the Spotlight book is about. That's what my group is about. And that's what my, you know, all my work has been about all these years. Yeah, and this is this idea of story, but you've taken it to this different place in terms of we need to be able to attract people. We have to tell a story that's going to cut through the noise and and get them. So what is business 
script missing? What it, what are businesses usually missing? Well, that's what they're missing. They're missing the story, right? Because that's what people are really buying. When you think about what somebody's buying in business, they're really buying your story, right? When you come down to it, why would anybody pay four bucks for a cup of coffee, right? At, you know, I don't have to tell you what places you can pay for or even eight dollars for, you know, a cup of coffee. When you can buy a cup of coffee for a dollar, right? at your local coffee shop, or, you know what, you can make it for a quarter at home. So why are people paying the extra 4 bucks or the extra 8 bucks? Why? Because maybe it's called Paradiso, and maybe it makes you feel adventurous, and maybe it makes you forget the pile of paperwork sitting on your desk in the office, right? Why settle for, um, you know, running shoes or sneakers or whatever they're called that you buy for 10 bucks at, at Walmart when you can pay an extra 200 bucks and get a story that goes with that, a story that says you can do it or go for it or whatever the current, you know, people are telling you that goes with their running shoes. So the, the thing about stories is that we're not paying for the thing. We're paying for how the thing makes us feel, right? And stories sneak past the barriers that prospects put up because, you know what, everybody is sick and tired of being sold to. Nobody wants to be hucked. You know, uh, prospects, your prospects um, filter out sales pitches, right? But they let their guard down when they hear a good story, right? So you can tell a story about your product, about your company, about your customers, about yourself, about how you got started. I just told you, you know, four kids in four years, litigation, lawyer leaves law for limelight. That's my story. And, you know, all the big marketers out there have a story. So if, you know, anybody who's immersed in the marketing world knows which marketer had an accident in the Caribbean and got life's golden ticket and now is, you know, out, out talking about that for the next 600 years and, and which one grew up in a chicken coop and which one, you know, was enrolled in a master's uh, program and, and walked out one day into it and bought this, four, you know, $100 floppy disk in the old days uh, off the Internet and now he's a gazillionaire. Anybody who's active in marketing knows those stories. And in, in business, there are other stories, right? Steve Jobs uh, told the story of how he dropped out of college and attended by chance a calligraphy class, and he became fascinated by all the different fonts. And then he remembered 10 years later uh, when he was designing the Mac, he said, if I had never dropped in on that single course in college, the Mac never would have had multiple typefaces or blah, 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 blah. And then he says, and by the way, Windows just copied the Mac. That's what he says. Um, And it says, you know, if not for that calligraphy class that he happened to drop in on, no personal computer would have them, right? That's a story. Um, stories create connection. They're entertaining. You know, they get prospects involved in you and your business. That's why behind the scenes is such a popular thing, right? Because people want to know what happened, not just in the movie, but they want to know what happened in the filming of the movie. And it, it, it creates an intimacy so that your, your prospects are not feeling defensive. They're not, you know, um, stories let them know more about who you are so that they know, like, and trust you. Um, they let people identify with you. Um, Jeff Walker is famous for, um, you know, product launch formula, and he talks about, uh, this phrase that marketers should use, you know, I think I'm a lot like you. And then you tell your story, right? The minute you say, I think I'm a lot like you, prospects identify with you and they want to see where they can fit themselves into your picture without you chasing them. And the other thing about stories, now that you got me started, is that they're great for differentiating you from the competition, right? It's way easier to remember a story than a list of features or benefits or whatever it is that you're told nowadays that you're supposed to say, um, stories make you memorable. Right. Yeah, because it's your unique story and people can't copy it. That's right. And if you find yourself telling a story, you know, if you, you know, you say people can't copy it, people do copy it. And it's really weird how that happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if it, what I tell my clients who are speakers, if you, what you're about to say, if your speech or what you're about to tell this audience could come out of anybody else's mouth but yours, don't be saying it, right? It should be your story. It should be unique to you. And everybody has a story. And I've had so many clients over the years who've told me, oh, Sufit, I'm boring. You'll never find anything interesting with me. 
But when I dig and when I start to, you know, um, interview them, like, for example, I had one client who came to me because she um, was, she had a professional speaker's bureau, but she was not a professional speaker herself. But because she had this bureau, she was invited to come speak to one of the local chapters of the uh, speaker's um, association. And she came to me and she said, Sophia, I have this dry, boring speech, and it's going to be embarrassing to go in front of all these speakers and be boring. And so I said, okay, let's find out what your story is. She said, oh, no, there's nothing here, Sophia. I don't have a story. And I said, everybody's got a story. So I interviewed her, and I found out that she grew up on a tomato farm. And when she was just uh, eight years old, she used to help her dad take tomatoes to market. And I said, you know, that's pretty cool because there's color in that. There's, there's, you know, I can see that. There's a visual. So we made an analogy between speakers and tomatoes. And we said, you know, some speakers are still seedlings. Some, uh, some speakers are still too green, right? To, just like tomatoes, too green to take to market. While others are ripe and plump and juicy and ready for market. And others are just plain rotten. So that story was enough to have a lineup of people waiting to speak to her after she spoke. Well, that's fun. Well, in analogies, those, like you said, people can find something to connect in in your story. One of the things I see sometimes with speakers is they have a great story, but they haven't done the work to figure out how other people can connect in it. I saw That's this one speaker exactly and everybody's like, oh, she's so great. And I thought, eh, there's something wrong. And it was because her story was all about her and how great she right. was. It really yeah. didn't include the audience at all or let them identify with her. You know, you bring up a really, really important point, And this is something that I often emphasize. People come, they tell a great story, and then it's, yeah, like, so what? Okay, it's a great story. You climbed Mount Everest, or you did this, or you did that, or whatever. You you know how to dance with seven seals on your head, but, like, what's that got to do with me? What's it got to do with my business? And if you don't make that connection for your audience, whether in writing, in a book, in an article, in a speech, online, in your social media, whatever it is, if you don't make the connection between your story and your audience, it's not going to work. So, I mean, I can tell you another little story if you want, which is both an example of stories and also an example of how you make the connection. So I had another client who came to me who was, um, um, she had a, like a graphic design business with, I don't know, three, four, five employees. And they did websites and books and brochures and business cards and whatever graphic design companies do. And she also came to me because, you know, every, who doesn't have a brother-in-law and a next-door neighbor and, you know, no 10 graphic designers? So, like, how was she going to stand out? And she was going to these networking events and saying the same old boring thing, like, hi, I design websites, I do books, I do, you know, business cards. Whatever. So I said, the first thing we've got to do is, like, cut out all that other crap that everybody else does and let's focus on the thing that not everybody else does. And in this case, it was books, right, that she had just buried in the middle. I said, you know what, not everybody makes books, so let's focus on that. She changed her business name to We Make Books. .ca, CA is the Canadian version of .com, and had a plaque put up on her bricks-and-mortar business that said that. But then I said, well, we still need a story, right? So I interviewed her, and I found out that she grew up in Switzerland, in the Swiss Alps, in a 600-year-old farmhouse at the top of, um, I don't know if it was quite a mountain, but yeah, I think, I think top of a mountain, maybe not the highest. And she loved books, and she used to go down to the valley where the library was, because she didn't own any books, to take out her favorite book. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if we said, you know, for the purpose of this 30-second infomercial that we were preparing for her, wouldn't it be cool if we said that your favorite book was Heidi? And she said, oh, two feet it was. And the reason I suggested that was because my client's name was Heidi. Right? Only she spelled it with a Y and the other one's with an I. But otherwise, the name was the same. So we told the story about how she didn't have any books growing up and she has to, used to have to go down the mountain to the, you know, in the Swiss Alps to get a, a book out of the library. And now, guess what? She makes books for a living, right? So the connection was there. Kid grows up with no books. She makes books for a living. Again, there was a huge... Um, I think she she debuted this at a networking event where they went in little circles of 10 
10 people to a circle, and she said eight out of the 10 people were wanting to talk to her afterwards, which had never happened to her before when she just said, hi, I'm Heidi so-and-so, and I'm a graphic designer, and for all your website needs, or blah, 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 blah. Right. Well, we are going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to dive into this a little bit further. So we'll be right back on The Career Confidant in just a few minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking to Tusfit about storytelling in business. And of course, as your background in helping people find the spotlight, you said you went into acting, but you never really gave us more on that. So you might have to weave some of that into your story here. And you've also been telling some other stories of businesses that you've helped. And I really enjoy the stories. They help bring the pieces together because sometimes storytelling in business is so hard for people to figure out how to connect the dots. And as we were just talking about, connecting the dots is where it all happens. If we don't connect the dots, it doesn't work. Now, one of the other things that people struggle with a little bit in storytelling is how to use some of the storytelling pillars, if you will, in our stories. And one of the other areas that you do some work in is character development. So how do you help people bring character development into their brand? Okay. Uh, okay, so you, you, you've asked me about two or three things, and I'm just trying to keep track of it all. So let me just tell you a little bit more about the acting thing since you asked me. Um, I played the character on television for four years, uh, Ludmila Kropotnik, which was a comedically evil cafeteria lady on this uh, sitcom for, like, kids in their lower teens, I think. So that's a little bit more of what I did, some commercials and a lot of live stuff. Um, So in terms of uh, character development, here's the thing. I remember when I was a kid, I used to audition for the high school play. I don't know if you did, Marie. Um, And you'd audition, you'd do your best, and then you'd run the next morning to see the task list, right? Eight o'clock in the morning, you're pushing and shoving all the other kids out of the way to see the task list, to see what role they cast you in, right? So the thing about business is that you don't have to fit yourself into a role that somebody else casts you in, right? You don't have to audition for business anymore. You don't have to fit in, right? 
into the role that customers want you to play. You can focus on the role that you want to play, the role that you were born to play, and you should choose it wisely because if you're smart, you're going to be playing it for a long time, right? You've got to ask yourself, do I want to be a truffle or a Hershey bar? Do I want to be Batman or Robin? You know Robin's never going to get his own show, right? <laughs> so first you've got to decide which category of role do you want to play. Do you want to be a star or just a supporting character? Because the spotlight is not for everybody. Not everybody wants to be in the spotlight. But if you are willing to step into the spotlight, the rewards are great. We all know this, right? Certainly in business there's no point in playing a bit part or staying in the shadows, you know, or being an understudy your whole career. But then the second thing you've got to do is choose a specific role in the marketplace, and that's when you talk about character development. You've got to decide what character do you want to play. You've got to create that character. In business, we call this positioning, right? But most entrepreneurs, most business people, most professionals don't give this any thought, right? One of the best examples that I've seen out there of character development in business is the Apple uh, the Mac versus PC spots, right? So, and if you haven't seen these on television, you can, you know, Google them, look on YouTube. But if you look at Mac versus PC, there's this whole series of little kind of commercial spots where they show Mac as this cool guy, young guy, a little smug, but, you know, Apple's okay with that. That's kind of their brand. Um, in a black T-shirt, you know, looking cool and artistic. And then you've got the guy that represents PC, which is, like personifying, can you imagine, we're talking about a computer which, you know, 10, 20 years ago was a gray box that sat under your desk or then on your desk, and now even laptops, I mean, they're not that sexy, right? But but the personification of the Mac was cool, and the PC was something complicated and bumbling, wearing this itchy brown suit. The guy looked a little bit like Charlie Brown, and, you know, he had all these cords, and it was really complex and complicated. So what they did was they actually created a character out of their product. They created a character out of their brand. So the moral of the story here is that you don't want to be a commodity, right? You don't want to be a commodity. And the other thing is you don't want to make that mistake that most entrepreneurs make of saying, well, I'm here today wearing two hats, you know, and I hate that expression, but if you ever go to a Chamber of Commerce or Board of Trade Networking event at 7.30 a.m., that's what you'll hear. I'm here today wearing two hats. Like, I'm a rocket scientist, and I make gift baskets on the side. (laughs) You know, you hear that, and it's a lack of focus because you can't fit two hats on one head. You know, what was McDonald's thinking when it was selling pizza? You know, if you were in the mood for pizza, would you ever round up the gang and head on out to McDonald's? I just heard that here in Canada, this just happened a few days ago, um, Tim Hortons has decided to pull the Beyond Meat Burger off its menu in, in many provinces because it didn't fit their brand. Their brand was about, um, you know, donuts and coffee, right? Big goods and coffee. And they, and they latched onto this whole hockey thing because it's big here in Canada. That was their brand. It was never, you know, it, it was never about hamburgers or non-meat hamburgers. So you really got to figure out what is your brand in the marketplace. And you, you asked me, I believe, about stories. Um, you know, how do you tell them? Did you ask me that, Marie, or did I imagine that? I think you did. No, it's always good to hear people think about okay, this okay. kind well, of let me get... story. <laughs> Maybe it was in the break. But anyway, um, so some of the stuff to keep in mind when you're telling stories is, and these are just like practical tips, and you guys can write these down if you want when you're listening. Name the people in your stories, right? Name them. Uh, I told you about, you know, uh, my, my client Heidi in that story. Um, name them. Joe, Sister Mary Catherine, when in doubt, by the way, throw in nuns. They always, they're always good in stories. Um, paint a picture. You know, use your words as paintbrushes. We've got to see it. So Obama, years ago, was really good at this. He, the beginning of his, one of his books said something about, like, my, I don't remember the exact words, but my mother was white as milk and my father black as pitch or something like that. Like, you could see it, what he was saying. You've got to make it colorful and you've got to use yourself in the story. Some people say that that's, um, you know, I'm not getting political here, but some candidates are better at telling stories than others, and the ones that are good at telling stories, you usually see it in their results. Um, and branding other people, you know, um, you know, the current president is really great at branding other people. Um, you know, he just made up names for other people and they stuck. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I'm not saying you should do it in a derogatory way, but that's kind of what Mac and PC did, right? The, the Mac people branded the PC people as bumbling, out of touch, out of date, and they branded themselves as artistic and cool and up to date, right? 
So the other thing to do is um, create suspense in your stories, right? How do you do that? Well, one of the ways is the best place to start a story is in the middle, right? In the middle, not at the beginning, not at the end. But So I'm sitting in the back of a taxi cab. Sister Mary Catherine's banging on the window, right? So when you hear that story, you want to know, what? What? Like, who are you? Where are you? Why is there a nun banging on the window? And why are you in the taxi cab? And where are you going? And what you, where are you going with this whole story? Like, see, when you do that, people are hooked. You know, it's like when you're flipping through the channels on TV and um, you flip through and you get to Entertainment Tonight and they ask you, you know, whose birthday is it? And they give you three three people in shadow and, you're, and they give you a clue and you're supposed to guess and then they don't tell you the answer until after the commercial break. Why do they do that? Because they want you to stick around until after the commercial break. It's not like you care whether the answer to that question is Keanu Reeves or the Miami Vice guy from the 80s, right? You don't care, but you have to stay till after the commercial because they've caught you in their wicked web, you know, they want they they caught you with the suspense. So that's something else. You know, start your story in the middle, create some suspense in your story. Use humor in your stories, but don't be corny or goofy. And don't use the same script as everybody else. Don't say you're the best. Why? Lots of reasons. Number one, everybody says it. Number two, it's probably not true. Number three, we don't believe you anyway. But you know what? Don't worry about it because number four, we're not always looking for the best. You know, singers, the most loved, the most famous, are they the best? Like Guys like Rod Stewart, okay? The guy's like 97 and a half, and he's still churning out hit albums. You know, it, it can't sing, right? Um, so, and number five, be original. You know, which do you want to be? A painter who does really accurate renditions of whatever he or she is painting, or Picasso? You know, stars are different. They stand out. And, you know, the classic story about this is, remember uh, the old Funny Girl movie? Uh, the character, uh, Barbara Streisand, plays Fanny Bryce. And Fanny is auditioning to get into the chorus as a chorus girl. That's all she wants to be. And she tries to get into the chorus, but you know what? She's not good enough for the chorus. So she tries to do the dance. She tries to, you know, do whatever they're doing, but she's not good enough. But you know what she is good enough to do? She's good enough to be the star. So sometimes... It's hard to fit in, and you don't get noticed when you fit in. But it's not always that hard to be the star. And I'll give you an example of that from my real life. I was auditioning for a play years ago. It was called uh, Applause. And I did the singing audition, did great. Did the acting audition, did great. Then it comes time for the dance audition. Let's just say dancing. I'm not a professional. (laughs) So here I am with nine other beautiful, leggy, professional dancers. And then there's me. And I'm like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So what did I do? I put a big smile on my face, arms out in the air, and I danced like a pro. And I got to tell you, I was so confident. I made the nine other dancers think that they had the steps wrong. And you know what? I even got called back for a lead role. So there you go. There are some tips on how to stand out. Thank you for sharing all of your stories. They really add so much richness to those of us who are trying to figure out our stories. Maybe (laughs) some of my other audience members who help people figure out their stories. And a lot of those appeal to people who are in job search as well. I can't tell you how many times people want to go into job search with two hats on and they want to go network with two hats on. It just doesn't work, as you've said, that focus and being able to tell your story is so important. You know, let me tell you a little something about the job search thing, if I may. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not where I spend most of my time because I spend most of my time with entrepreneurs, but I, but I have four millennial daughters and somebody's always looking for a job. So I've gotten to know a lot about this. Um, and it's true that one of the things you have to do nowadays is you have to package it for them. Don't go to a job saying, uh, you know, an interview thinking um, that they're going to, you know, take all the little miscellaneous talents that you have and they're going to package it. You have to figure out who you are, what skill you have, what you're bringing, and package it for them. And I remember early in my career when I was just starting out and I knew that I was good at publicity and I knew I was good at, you know, speaking and humor and all this stuff. But I went to one of these business um, enterprise centers where they hire people to coach other people, and I wanted the guy to hire me on a part-time basis to do this. And he gave me this really smart advice at the time. He said, Sufit, package it for me. 
Like, don't just tell me all this stuff you're good at. I showed him all these articles about me in the paper and all that. No, he said, package it for me. Like, tell me, what would the course be? What would it, you know, so I, I tell my daughters and I tell people who ask me about this, you have to think more like an entrepreneur, even if you are in business. In fact, I got um, Tom Peters, who, you know, really speaks to businesses, um, it, it talked about um, treating business and your career. I'm just, this is from the endorsement that he gave me on my book, but he said, treating business and your career as show business is a heck of a lot more fun than approaching work as a cubicle slave performing a dreaded necessity. He talks about how we all have to consider ourselves to be entrepreneurs and people searching for a job, think of yourself as an entrepreneur. You have a skill you're bringing to this uh, company, and it may not even be what they put out there as the job. You may even get something better um, because you go poised knowing what you're bringing. Exactly. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we'll continue talking about how storytelling can help you with your business and your career. We'll be right back in the Career Confidant in just a few minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking to Tuspeed about how you can use story and show business in your business and in your career to brand yourself and stand out. So you mentioned this momentarily in our last segment about humor. Tell me a little bit about humor and how people can use humor if they're not funny. Okay, well, so that's a really good question. It's a question I get asked a lot because a lot of my clients, when I suggest humor to them, they, you know, like the H word, it scares them, right? Scary word. Um, And I tell them, you know what? Humor is not a four-letter word and you don't have to be so afraid of it. Humor is not just jokes. You know, when you go to some speech and a guy pulls out a lame joke and, you know, you've heard it 20 times before, that's not what humor is. Humor is a state of mind. Humor is a spontaneity, an openness. Uh, an honesty, okay? I'll, I'll give you an example, and then I'll tell you a bit more. I wrote a song years ago for my mother's birthday, actually. She doesn't like me buying her presents. Uh, may she rest in peace now, but at the time, she doesn't like me buying her presents. And so I wrote her a song, and it was called Broccoli's on Sale at Dominion, and it was about a Jewish mother giving long-distance telephone advice to her daughter, right? It ended up on my album because I performed it live, and, you know, I changed a few words to make it more... For everybody, and um, and it was a popular song. But here's the thing: the the reason it was a popular song 
is not everybody in my audience is Jewish. Obviously, I live in Canada, right? It's not. But my bass player, who was Asian, when I said a certain line, he would say to the audience, you know, when I talked about my Jewish mother, he would say, tell me about it. You know, because his Asian mother was exactly like my Jewish mother. And I would have, a, you know, Filipinos come up to him. People of every ethnicity would come up to me and say, oh, my God, you just described my mother. Because, you know, that's a Jewish mother, right? <laughs> An Italian Jewish mother. So, so what humor is, is about the commonality of experience. So it's the Seinfeld show, the old Seinfeld show, which you can probably still see in reruns was all about the common experience. If you actually look at those episodes, in themselves, there was nothing really that funny. What was funny was when Jerry shows up to get um, a car that he reserved at the airport, and they tell him, I'm sorry, we don't have your car. And he said, well, I had a reservation. Isn't a reservation, you know, that's kind of the point of a reservation, that you reserve the car for me. It was funny when 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 he and Elaine and George were at a Chinese restaurant, and the whole half hour was devoted to them being in the lobby, the reception area of the Chinese restaurant, waiting to get in. The reason that was funny was because it was a common experience. It was something that we had all gone through. So it's a recognition of universal truth, right? So um, I, I read a book by a famous casting director, and he said that he once looked for a sense of humor even when auditioning for serious roles. And there was this movie in the 80s, an old movie with Sally Field and, oh, what's that guy? Um, Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks plays a comedian, and Sally Field plays a housewife who wants to be a comedian, wants to be funny. So she goes to the comedy club at night, and she goes on stage, and she bombs, right? So she gets this grizzled old comedian played by Tom Hanks, and she pays him $500. She raids the cookie jar money, the grocery money, pays him 500 bucks for like 25 jokes or something to write for her so she'll go on stage and get some applause. She goes, she goes on stage, she does the jokes, and guess what happens? She bombs. Nobody laughs. <laughs> she bombs, right? Why did she bomb, Marie? Why? Because jokes have to have timing, and they have to connect, and they have to, I, I don't know, most of the time when people and tell a joke and it doesn't work, do it's because it's not real for them, right? It's not real for them, and it has nothing to do, it had nothing, he wrote the how can you write for somebody? Like, they had nothing to do with him. I'm not saying people don't write for other people, right? But they write in the voice of the other person. So if you go, if you watch the late night talk shows, well, yeah, okay, maybe they have 20 writers, but they write as... Seth Meyers, they write as Stephen Colbert, whatever, they write as the person. But here, he wrote the jokes, they went on and weren't funny. So what happened was, he tells her that. He said, you know what, just get up there and talk. Just get up there and talk about your day. And actually, a modern version of this is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I think that's what the show is called. Yeah, it's Um, great if you haven't watched it. And so it's basically very similar to this this Sally Field thing, um, where she gets up and just randomly just rants about this and talks about that. And guess what? Why is it funny? Because the audience relates, because it's honest. So so to, to tell your audience, it's not like you have to be hilarious. You just have to... Um, capture that commonality with your prospect. You know, there's a a saying in marketing called enter the conversation going on in your prospect's mind, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how you're going to be able to speak to your prospect because you have to think, like, what is that prospect thinking at 3 in the morning? Well, humor is another way of doing that, right? If you can can find the commonality between you and this person, um, that really helps you stand out. And the other thing is, I mean, I can give you some examples, if you like, of some brands and companies that are using not just humor, but other, some of these tactics that we've been talking about, these show business tactics. Do we have time for that? Yeah, we'd have time for a couple of examples. That's always helpful for people. Okay. Well, one of them is to hang out with um, celebrities. I mean, Michael Budman, who own, uh, co-owns Roots, does that. So he got, you know, the Olympics wearing his hats, and, and, you know, there's that celebrity factor. What you name your stuff is also part of your story. So there was a company, some kind of American heating and air conditioning company that made oversized fans for arenas, and they understood the importance of naming your stuff and being provocative. So they had some boring name. And But their clients were saying, God, you guys sell some big-ass fans, A-S-S. So they renamed their company Big-Ass Fans. Some people were super offended by that and said, you know, we don't want that kind of talk. We're not going to hire your company. You're unprofessional. 
but they published, you know, what people said good and not good, the kudos and the negative comments. They published them on their website. They got these big billboards. So they created some controversy. They got publicity, you know, in, uh, from the BBC over in England across the pond, right, just by understanding that using a little bit of humor, I think they showed like a donkey, you know, an ass um, as part of their logo, um, they weren't afraid of a little humor. The, the guy, there was this um, uh, handyman who was out of work, and um, he understood the power of a good tagline like show business. He called himself Tall, Dark, and Handy and changed his business to Rent-A-Husband. Totally worked. <laughs> and we That's all remember funny. the Where's the Beef commercials, you know, those old uh, Wendy's uh, Where's the Beef commercials. Um, ben and Jerry's, they name ice creams after people. I mean, there was, I think they named one after Bernie Sanders in the last election, uh, in 2016. Um, the, you know, there, speaking of humor, there's, there was a company, Levi's Jewish Rye, and they have one with an Asian guy eating the rye bread, and it says, you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy, you know, uh, Jewish rye. And I think they have another one with an African-American with an Afro. You don't have to be Jewish to enjoy Levy's Jewish rye. So, again, examples of humor in business that break down the barriers. Yeah, and as you're talking, you know, it has to connect to your customer. And in some ways, you have to be willing to take that risk to connect to some people and not other people. And that's another challenge that a lot of brands have, as we were talking, especially a lot of job seekers, is is that when you really want to connect with someone, it means you're not connecting with other people. And that's a scary place to be sometimes. Marie, that is such a good point. Because if you don't polarize your audience, okay, where some people love you and some people not so much, it means you're not doing whatever is necessary to stand out. And you have to know exactly what you just said, Marie. You have to know that some people are going to love it, just like the big-ass fan story I just told you. And some people are going to absolutely hate it and say, I would never do business with an unprofessional company like yours, right? Nerds on site, right? They do computer repairs, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. resonates with some people. It doesn't, you know, they have these, these Volkswagen Beetles. They call them nerdmobiles. Right? It resonates with some people. It, it, uh, um, other people, it pushes them away. That's when you know you're doing well. You know? And I know for a job seeker, that's a scary place to be because you think, no, I want to impress everybody. But if you're trying to impress everybody, you're going to impress nobody. So you've got to take a strong stand. You've got to make a strong choice, just like actors when they go to auditions have to make strong choices. And you know what? Either they're going to choose you or they're going to say that's way off. Same thing if you're looking for a job. Same thing if you're an entrepreneur and you want to be hired. You have to um, make strong choices. I mean, Buckley's Mixture, I don't know if you have this in the U.S., but it's a cough medicine. And their slogan is, it tastes awful and it works. It tastes awful and it works. I mean, that's provocative. That's dramatic. It's also brilliant, right? And it also creates a lot of trust because, look, they just admitted it tastes awful, so they must be pretty honest people, and they said it works. So if they were honest about it tasting awful, they're probably honest about it working. So I trust them. I believe them. I'm going to buy it. That was and there's a nice juxtaposition there, too. That's right. That's right. And, you know, all the other cough medicines are saying, oh, great cherry flavor. None of them have a great cherry flavor, right? But they're all (laughs) saying that. (laughs) We don't believe you. But they're all saying that. And and somebody else had had the audacity, the chutzpah, to actually tell the truth. And that actually resonates with people. And that also goes back to humor, right? Um, right? There's some humor in that as well. Well, and it, people can be afraid of humor because, as you say, they think it. there's something in our mind about that. And I actually had an experience very early in my career where I was co-presenting with someone, and co-presenting with people is always hard. Um, her name is Katie, and she's funny and vivacious, if you will, you know, has a lot of energy. And I'm not. I'm not I'm not funny. I'm not that um, entertaining type of speaker. And unfortunately, had the opportunity to be paired with her at the beginning of my career. And of course, got the feedback from people on their feedback forms that I was boring. Ugh, right? I'm like, boring. But I learned from that, that you have to figure out how to do it yourself. When I kind of set humor aside and said, you know, I'm not going to try to be funny, because every time I do that, it doesn't work. And I'm just going to tell my stories and be who I am and and do that. And I gave a presentation, I don't know, probably a year and a half ago. 
And people actually gave me feedback at the end that I was funny. And I thought, well, this is, I'm not funny, right? But I wasn't trying to be funny. And that's usually where we lose it is when we're trying to be funny, we're trying to tell the jokes instead of just telling our stories, which of course connected to my audience because they were also doing the same work that I do. Well, you just get you just gave me a perfect. Uh, I mean, that's exactly the Sally Field story, right? In that movie, Punchline, that I told you about earlier, that's exactly her story. She was trying to be funny, as opposed to getting up there and being real. The same as the uh, Miss Maisel. The thing that I do is like I would never agree to present with somebody, you know, funny unless. I, well, I mean, with me, I can be funny too, and we can do it back and forth. But like, if I if I didn't consider myself you know, comfortable with that kind of humor, um, I would either not do that or, you know, it doesn't have to be humor. It could be drama. It could be the sensitivity thing. It could be the vulnerability thing. People eat that up. You know, they just love. I saw um, Richard Paul Evans, who wrote uh, The Christmas Box. Um, he gets up there. He's just so authentic and so real, and he just tells his self-deprecating story about how he ended up, you know, selling his book for like $4 million to Simon & Schuster, you know. Um, in a very, you know, quiet self like So there are a lot of ways to get attention. Drama is a great way to get attention. Silence is such a strong, I mean, look at how awkward that, you know, moment of silence was. I'll go to a networking meeting, and I, you know, everybody stands up, hi, I'm a network, you know, hi, I'm a realtor, hi, I'm an accountant, hi, I'm a... and then we get to my turn, and I'll let, you know, four or five seconds go by without saying anything. Oh, my God, that is like the most stressful thing that happened that whole day everybody and and what happens everybody turns their heads and looks at me right they weren't paying attention to any of the people who spoke before me who were filling the time but just that little beat of silence was enough to get me the attention so that when i did speak and then so i'd start the thing sitting down because everybody else stands up and then in the middle of my 30 seconds i would stand up all of a sudden, it became, my standing up became a dramatic event. I mean, what's so dramatic about a person standing up? But because I didn't do it at the beginning when it was expected, so sometimes just doing what's not expected, it doesn't have to all be humor. You know, there's humor, there's drama, there's like 97 different devices that you can use. I actually made a, a thing called that, uh, uh, audio CDs, 97 devices, because, you know, there's breaking the fourth wall, there's, there's so many things that you can do other than humor, but humor becomes a lot more comfortable when you, as you said, when you're not trying to be funny and you're just trying to be real and connect. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll tie all this together for everyone. So we'll be right back here in a few minutes on The Career Confidant. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategic advantage.com. Now, 
back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we've been talking to Two Speed about how to be in the spotlight and use some of wonders of story and show business for ourselves, whether we're in job search or in our business. And we were just talking about humor and how it's not really about humor. It's about being authentic. And this is one of the hardest parts for most people, finding that authentic space. And in fact, my story where I was trying to be funny and and be vivacious like my co-presenter, the problem really wasn't that she was effective because she was that. The problem was that I wasn't effective because I was trying to be that and thankfully had an opportunity to go get some coaching and really learn how to embrace my voice, which is kind of where we started today, knowing your character and developing your your own character, developing your own voice of how you want to tell your story, the character that you're going to be in that story, and how that can build your career, build your business, that authenticity, and that confidence in being who you are. And I love that you've shared all of those messages and really woven them together in a bunch of stories for us. So I do want to give you an opportunity to speak, to share with our listeners how they can find you, how they can find your book and continue the inspiration. Sure. Thank you, Marie. Uh, uh, first of all, yeah, you can find the book by going to www.spotlightbook.com. Spotlightbook.com. That will take you straight to Amazon where you can get the book either in a hard copy or in Kindle. Um, secondly, you can get some free tips on how to stand out in just 30 seconds by going to www.spotlightsecrets.com. Spotlightsecrets with an F at the end. Dot com. And lastly, if you want to join my community of over 10,000 entrepreneurs and uh, professionals and media on LinkedIn, you can go to www.spotlightgroup.biz, spotlightgroup.biz, and if I like you, I might just let you in the group. <laughs> well, it's a fun group and people do an excellent job of communicating and, and inter- engaging with each other there. So I appreciate that and okay. really enjoyed you. I'll have you spell your name one more time so that if people want to connect with you on LinkedIn or somewhere else, they can find you specifically as well. Sure, sure. Well, my name is Sufit, Sufit, and it's spelled T like Tom, S like Sam, U like Umbrella, F like Frank, I like Igloo, and T like Tom. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Two Feet, for sharing your information here and your inspiration and your stories. And for those of you who are listening, we'll be back on The Career Confidant again next week with another guest and some more fun topics to help you take control of your career and move forward in your career or your business. We will see you next week here on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.